0: We were really created as a result of a government initiative around how to prepare us, best prepare Australia for the future. And there is recognition, both in industry but also in government and research, that while we have world leading, pockets of world leading research, and our research agencies like the CSRO are, are some of the top rated in the world we don't have a good track record of commercializing research
1: mike zimmerman is a partner at main sequence ventures and today on talking tech transfer we figure out how to improve commercialization activities in australia learn about the importance of deep tech over the next few decades and find out why developing a plant-based burger in partnership with hungry jacks at breakneck speed is also deep tech. Mike, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, It's great to be
0: here. Thank you very much for having
1: me. To kick things off, maybe you can give us a brief overview of Main Sequence Ventures, maybe some key figures. And just because I love astronomy, can you also explain why you're called Main (laughs) Sequence? Sure, sure.
0: Well, um, Main Sequence is a bit of an unusual beast. We're a sponsored fund... With the backing of the National Science Agency here, CSIRO, and the Australian government, we were set up in 2017. But along with that sponsorship, we have capital from independent LPs, institutions, corporations, and family offices. So we've got a, I guess, the best of of both worlds in terms of a sponsored sort of captive fund, but then also have a lot of the independents and, and, and rigorousness and focus on returns from an independent venture capital fund. And in terms of the names, well're we're, we're a deep tech fund, and uh, the main sequence, as you probably know from your from your astronomy, is uh, it's basically the, the scenario where the stars burn brightest and and live the longest. And so the idea we thought was very fitting with a deep tech fund. Where we're trying to create successful global companies that will impact the world, we thought MinSequence was very fitting for that. Yeah, so we're, as I mentioned, Deep Tech Fund. Uh, we manage two hundred and forty million dollars Australian, and that's across two vehicles. We have an early stage fund that's one hundred and sixty million, and then an eighty million dollar growth fund. And we're about seventy five percent of the way through that. We have twenty seven portfolio companies. And next month in November, we'll close do a first close on our second fund.
1: Wow. Wow. You're not wasting any time there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pace has been pretty strong. So we've, we've backed eight or so companies a year, so fairly strong pace. But um, there's a lot of opportunity in, in the areas we're focused. So um, we're, we're moving quickly.
1: Amazing. I uh, I wasn't actually really going to touch on on the second fund, but um, or, or ask too many questions. But you've mentioned it now, so I'm guessing it is public knowledge. Anyway, sure. Among the LPs in your first one, you had University of Melbourne and Lockheed Martin. Are you hoping to attract more universities and corporates for your next fund?
0: Yeah, I mean certainly the the corporates have been have been good partners for us because. We're, we're basically, we're, we're a fund that writes first checks into companies and we help in many cases with the commercialization of research coming out of universities and research agencies. And I can go into our strategy a bit more on our, the investment, kind of the areas of investment. But um, as a result of that, we're doing a lot of seed and pre-seed and Series A deals And so the corporate partners we have are quite interested in the deal flow as well as the insights from the companies we're backing. And so when you look at someone like Lockheed Martin, it was actually their venture arm that invested. And we work with them quite closely. So every probably six weeks or so, we're on the phone sharing pipeline information and uh, insights into companies in the landscape. And then, of course, co-investing when that makes sense as well. So, in the second fund, we we expect to have more corporates as well as um, as it seems a good fit for for corporate venture funds that can't necessarily cover the whole the whole world, but are interested in their sector. They're interested in seeing the leading things going on.
1: Amazing. On a personal note, what convinced you to join Main Sequence Ventures, and and what has the experience been like so far?
0: Sure. Well, my background. You probably hear from my accent, I'm not Australian. I'm um, originally from the U.S., but I I did move here about 25 years ago, and uh, and shifted into the startup sector just over 20 years ago. And and this fund, starting main sequence with my my four partners in CSRO, is really the culmination of the startup experience. In that, I've probably spent about half the time in venture capital and half the time operating as a founder executive in in venture-backed companies. And so the work we're doing with early stage companies that are commercializing research primarily, there is a bit of heavy lifting on the operating side there, either in structuring companies and and hiring folks and and, uh, strategy and whatnot. And so I draw my operating experience for that. And then obviously the investing side can be complex as well. Especially negotiating with with institutions to to get access to to i p follow on funding things like that, and so I've drawn that there so this is a nice um brings those experiences together also for me, I actually um at one point in my career started a company based on research out of the c s r o and that was part of my inspiration for joining main sequence was the technology I commercialized was Basically, an AI system for for energy use in in buildings became a company. We turned it into a company called Building IQ, which which still exists and is operating globally. And uh, here in in a small town in Australia, Newcastle, were these world leading researchers creating this this very advanced technology. And no one really knew about it. And I was lucky enough to to be introduced to the team and found the technology and realized it had global application. And so as a result, I was able to build this business off of this technology that probably otherwise might have sat on the shelf. And when you kind of fast forward to main sequence, what we're trying to do is uncover the gems in the research sector and either attach them to existing startups or create new startups from that research and ensure that you know, the government gets a better ROI on the research dollars they're investing and our investors get a great return as well.
1: Amazing. We'll, we'll get to a couple of examples of companies that you've created and invested in in a minute. But um, CSIRO has been responsible for some of the world's most impactful technologies, Wi-Fi, royalties of which have helped launch main sequence, Correct. reusable contact lenses, polymer banknotes, which have finally arrived in the UK now as well. Can you tell me why Main Sequence Ventures focuses on deep tech and how important this is for the Australian ecosystem?
0: Yeah, well, as I mentioned, we were um, we were really created as a result of a government initiative around how to prepare us, best prepare Australia for the future. And there is a recognition, both in industry but also in government and research, that while we have world-leading pockets of world-leading research and our you know, research agencies like the CSRO. Are, are some of the top rated in the world, we don't have a good track record of commercializing research. And and so the government originally creating the fund was, as I mentioned before, to, to really try and have an impact on that at a, at a systematic level. And equally, the, the fund team strongly believes that the best returns for the next you know decade or two are actually going to come from solutions that are powered by by fundamental in engineering and science and i think we can see some of the impact of that today in our current troubling environment how important technology engineering and science is to the world and so with that investment strategy it's really critical to have the csro as a partner to go after the deep tech opportunity and we're leveraging them. I mean, they have thirty five hundred scientists, they have billions of dollars of of infrastructure, they have lots of facilities to do prototyping and certification and even early scaling, which have helped some of our companies. And as a result, we've been able to get access to those resources without having to raise capital for them. Obviously, there's still value transferred, whether it's through equity or royalties or or even contracts, but the point is, there's you know incredible resources that give us and our companies what we think is a bit of an unfair advantage to do deep tech.
1: Amazing. When, when someone says deep tech, I usually think of AI, photonics, quantum computing, biotech, space, so on. And of course, you have some fascinating portfolio companies there with Mariota or Q Control, for example. I don't usually think of burgers. <laughs> That's Yet, right. Portfolio also includes. Uh, Clara Foods, which is a cultured meat startup. And the first one I'd like to talk about more in detail which is V2 Food. Sure. Because it's slightly different in that you didn't simply invest in the company, you helped create it in partnership with Hungry Jacks, which is the Burger King franchise in Australia, of course. Can you tell me a bit more about that journey?
0: Yeah, sure, sure. And I think it's, it's probably worth saying, just saying a little bit more about the investment themes, if that's all right. Because of course, I, I yeah, men- yeah. Yeah, I mentioned that we're, we're trying to tackle you know major problems that the world is facing and that that's sort of instructive about our themes and why why burgers have made it into into our list so we're thematic invenso- investors we actually call our different themes they're called sequences and they're all framed around the uh, large challenges facing the world and so okay. for example humanity scale healthcare is all about democratizing access to to quality healthcare Feeding 10 billion people is all about the challenge of, as the world grows to a population of 10 billion people, how do we actually double the output of our food system, basically create a whole other planet's worth of food? We have a a, uh, sequence around space and new transport, and you mentioned uh, Muriota, and we've actually got a, a launch vehicle company as well, Gilmore Space. We have another theme around the new society, and that's really about future work, future of education, and future threats. And then lastly, we have another sequence around exponential machines, which is where it's all about augmenting the human human experience and and humans with advanced computation and communications platforms. So quantum computing... Next gen Wi-Fi and wireless, things like that. And so again, those are sort of the challenges or so the sequences that we've laid out. And then our portfolio is pretty equally distributed across those sequences. Okay. So with that, with that background, Food and ag is actually a huge focus for us. So that feeding 10 billion people theme. And one of the reasons is Australia is super strong in that area. I mean, CSR was originally set up to focus on applied research in the ag and food sector and we have a a really strong track record of invention there from biology to to crop models remote sensing things like that and um, in the case of v2 that's one of the different types of investments we make so i could just uh, again kind of high level we make three types of investments the first is there's an independent company that can be turbocharged with research that we'll pull out of a university or research agency. Number two is we'll do a spin out, which would be very common to your, your listeners. So it's scientist as founder and entrepreneur. And then the last is the category for B2. We do something called venture science. Okay. And there we'll actually create a company from scratch based on very strong market pull and a big opportunity. And we'll do that in conjunction with a corporate partner. So in this case, uh, you mentioned Hungry Jacks or Burger Kings. So the owner of that in Australia is Jack Cowan. He's an LP in our fund. Okay. And, and so Jack and our fund, we're having a conversation about the plant-based meat phenomena. And you have Impossible and Beyond Meat in the U.S., but no real leader in Australia and really no leader in Asia. And so Jack and ourselves came up with an idea, can we create a global competitor out of Australia with the expertise of the CSRO? So we went to CSRO and we we organized a seminar, like a one-day seminar, with all their various experts that would be needed to create a better burger. And off the back of that, we set a challenge for ourselves to start a company and and a fraction of the time and money that Beyond or Impossible spent, could we actually create a competitive product? And in nine months, with less than $2 million, we were able to create a product that launched across 450 Burger Kings in Australia and through independent taste tests, taste equivalent or like on par to Impossible and actually beat Beyond Beyond Meat. Wow. And so since since then the company raised I think off the back of that we did a 35 million dollar round and we're just closing a very large round now as well to grow into Asia and it's um, company is going very well worth several hundred million dollars now and only started 18 months ago. So it's a pretty, so even though you don't think of burgers as deep tech, we're very happy that we do think of burgers as deep tech. And um, we've now got a pipeline of other venture science opportunities where we're working with corporate partners to really the key, the key thing that the corporate partner does is they define the requirements and they provide market access. So hungry jacks in this case, was saying from day one, if you want to serve a burger at Hungry Jack's, it's got to look like this, it's got to cost this amount, it's got to go through this equipment. And they're very, very tightly defining what's required as opposed to the typical you know, spin-out or technology creation in research where it's much more about kind of experimenting and, and creating a technology that we hope fits a need. Yeah. This was like a very tight window to get through, and that allowed us to reduce the amount of capital required and get something to market very quickly.
1: Amazing! It's, I mean, it's it's a phenomenal story that, like, from nothing to a product in nine months is is amazing. At, at any rate, and,
0: in this in this space, yeah, if you look at, I mean, Beyond and Impossible both spent, I think, uh, you know, more than five hundred million dollars each to get their product yeah. into market. And they were they were they were basically, you know, they were they were cutting the path. So we learned a lot off, off of them as well. But yeah, it's it's we think the model is a really good one. So we're gonna be replicating that in fund two mm-hmm. for sure. We've already got we actually just approved our first two investments for fund two, and they're both these venture science type opportunities.
1: Amazing. Another one that I guess would, would fit in that is Presian, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, which you spun out of a corporate. Yeah. What do they do? How did that come about?
0: Yeah, so Presian make AI powered safety systems for work sites. So it's very much an industrial technology to help stop collisions of equipment and injuries on construction work sites and other, you know, mining work sites, things like that. And uh, I think what's unusual about it is is it's a different, a little bit different. Methodology again for deal creation. This was a spin out of Lang O'Rourke. So Lang O'Rourke had incubated this technology inside its R&D group, and they believed it had that much potential that they wanted to see it, you know, just go beyond being deployed at Lang O'Rourke sites and through their customers. And they believed that there was real applicability of it to the, you know, to the global market. So we work with them to structure the company appropriately. The founding team was there. The founding, the founding, the original two two founders were there, and we helped them recruit some other folks. And then we brought together a um, a syndicate to invest in the company. So Langorark is has been essential in the creation of the technology. They're a partner with us going forward, but they also have been very, I think, ambitious in understanding what kind of structure is required to have an independent flourishing company. So they've they've relaxed some of the controls that you might expect from a corporate spin out. And they want this company to, they'll do very well out of it if the company succeeds, but mostly what they want to do is just move the whole industry forward. So they've contributed. What's unusual about um, pressing in on the technology side is in the incubation, the the company got access to about a hundred thousand hours of video streams from construct the various construction and other work sites that Langark and their customers operate. And so they've been able to create a, a very advanced, we think the most advanced model in the world to do object detection and image recognition, which powers their, their AI. And so as a result of that, you minimize false positives and the product, which they've, they've already got out in the market is, is super effective. But again, like bigger picture, this is working with corporates to leverage, you know, make, make more out of their R&D spend and get it outside of the corporate and allow it to flourish and move a whole industry forward.
1: Amazing. On a somewhat related note, what is your favorite portfolio company? Who is your favorite child? Well, mine.
0: Yeah, it's hard. Mine is probably it's one of my companies, of course. The companies I look after. It's a company called Emerson, and I call it sci-fi with an ROI.
1: <laughs> I like that.
0: Yeah, and what Emerson does is they have autonomous data collection and analytics technology for very challenging environments. It's so it's also an industrial technology. They, at a practical level, what that means is they make technology that allows drones to fly autonomously inside tunnels and caves and mines and, and deep in urban, you know, in urban environments where there's no GPS signal and still fly very, you know, intelligently, avoid collisions, fly through, uh, uh, you know, dust and darkness and things like that. And capture and then create very, very detailed 3D maps of the environment, which then allow their customers who are mining companies or construction companies or, or uh, infrastructure companies to really inspect and understand what's going on in those environments. And those, you know, certain places in mines, either people can't go or it's pretty dangerous for people to go. And so being able to, to fly a drone autonomously into some of these areas can add a huge amount of value. So we they're a spin-out out of CSRO. They've been going for about 18 months. Uh, we helped set up the company and they have you know, more, more cash in the bank today than when we invested. They're working with most of the major mining companies around the world. They have um, customers in over 20 countries and uh struggling to keep up with demand a little bit but it's a very it's a very cool technology that adds a lot of value so that's why that's why i love it
1: yeah that's that's pretty cool i don't know australia is well had a strong mining industry so yeah having a, a startup that can still tap into that that sector is is really cool
0: yeah it's helped i mean it's helped Again, you're hearing from like, like a, with, with, Pressian, with the Lang story with Presian, with the V2 story with Hungry Jacks, with Emerson. Being able to start with a very sophisticated local customer has been really critical to the success of these ventures. Being able to operate fairly leanly and in a focused way as opposed to, you know, the typical kind of experimenting around and spending lots of capital to find a solution. So we, we really like that model.
1: I can see why. <laughs> Somewhat of Australia has been very hard hit by the pandemic, of course. State lockdown in Victoria. How has the crisis impacted your work? And are there any long-term consequences you can see for how you operate?
0: Yeah, sure. So we're, yeah, like, I mean, in, in many ways, we're similar to a lot of countries. As we were talking about before we started the, the show, we're, we're similar to a lot of countries and in terms of the various the lockdowns and the change to to working environment and home environments at the same time, I think the government's actually done pretty well to to have kind of a top-down view of this crisis and coordinate you know each of the state premiers, their there seven states, so coordinate each of the premiers and how they are behaving. And so I think we've been relatively lucky compared to the rest of the world now at the startup level, in terms of our portfolio and how we're working, I think it's, it's actually forced quite a bit of creativity for folks, um, especially we, we back a lot of companies that are making and selling hardware. One thing if you have a SaaS product, you know, software product that anybody can buy from anywhere in the world, we do have a number of those companies that's, awesome. that's easy to keep selling. No matter where you are, and uh, people can, can work remotely. If you're actually assembling uh, hardware that goes onto a drone and then shipping that off to somebody and trying to train folks, then that's that's been challenging, and it's just forced a level of creativity. So in that case, actually, Emerson, they you know figured out early that they could they basically um, put together some trial packages and just had those ship. And land in prospects' offices, and just have them when they're finished doing their trial, they actually ship it on to the next prospect, and that you know that prospect then does the trial, et cetera. So that was that was one thing. The second thing was they figured out how to demo the product remotely, which is kind of strange, but they can. They uh, last month did a a uh, a trial in Scandinavia where they were controlling. A drone to get it launched and show some of the features from a keyboard in Queensland, you know, literally around the other side of the world. <laughs> so it's, it's forces creativity. Wow. So when you ask about what's not going to change going forward, I think, you know, when they have innovations like that, that just makes them a lot more efficient, as opposed to having to show up into somebody's offices. Even when things get closer to normal, again, I think they'll, they'll have the benefits of that. So, and then for us, we, like a lot of venture firms, we do a lot of stuff remotely anyway. We're either, you know, we might be together in a group, but we do, we do a lot of Zoom meetings. And, and I, I think we all value being in the same room, but we're okay to keep operating remotely ourselves. So I, I think it's more impactful on our, our companies that are building products and selling.
1: That makes sense. I, I really like the idea of controlling a drone. Yeah. On the other side of the yeah. planet, from uh, I mean, that's yeah. Why would you get on a plane, even if you can? If you know, you're just wasting 20 hours flying to Norway or Sweden or wherever. Yeah, and,
0: and of course, that, yeah. customers now are much more willing to look at solutions or or look at situations like that because they're constrained as well, and in many cases, especially in these heavy industries. Those are the things, you know, government spending on infrastructure. I know it's the same in the UK. That's going to lead our recovery, the economic recovery. And so, construction, mm-hmm. mining, other infrastructure work has got to continue. And so, as a result of that, these solutions that help with automation or improve safety, customers need those, and um, and so they're willing to look at creative solutions for things like trialing and. And demos and whatnot
1: my last question uh an open-ended one for you <laughs> is there anything that we haven't covered that you want our listeners to know about
0: i mean possibly the main thing is is would be a call to action for for any of the corporates that that are listening to the podcast that would be interested in working with us to reach out we are making investment we can make investments out of, outside of australia there are some requirements attached to it but if people are interested in the, you know, the emerging technologies that are coming out of Australia, please reach out. We love, as we were talking about before, we'd love to share lessons learned from the various spin outs and venture science and other deals we've done. So if there are other venture firms that want to you know, swap stories and learnings, then very happy to do so. They can reach us at main sequence. Our, our website is mseq.vc. And I'm just Mike at MSEQ dot VC. So hopefully easy to reach.
1: Amazing. And I mean if people struggle to find you, they can they can always reach out to me as well and I will I will forward them on to you. Mike, thank you very much for taking time out of your uh I don't know if it is a busy day, yeah, it's very early <laughs> in the morning for you. But thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Been a pleasure and uh appreciate the questions and the chance to talk to your audience. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Pleasure's been all mine, Mike. <laughs> talking tech transfer is hosted by me thierry helis it is produced by global university venturing a morsonia limited publication you can find us at globaluniversityventuring.com, on linkedin as global university venturing or on twitter at gu venturing. our sound engineer is mark chatterley from in-ear production You can find them on inearproduction.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an interview. We'd also really love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or if you share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps us grow our audience. You can also reach out to me directly with feedback. Just email teheles at com. That is T-H-E-L-E-S at globaluniversityventuring.com. Until next time, have a great week, everyone.
0: Goodbye. <laughs>